This is a football show, normally Monday edition, but we're coming to you on a Tuesday. Happy Memorial Day weekend out there to all of you wonderful folks. My name's Braden. He's Zach. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. SEC seating charts are out in Destin for the spring meeting, so we're going to get to that. Fantasy football for your Tennessee Titans. Who is worth drafting, Zach? We will get to that and where, maybe the more important question for some of these guys. Uh, But really the big part of the show today, we're going to focus on statistical analysis of this Tennessee Titans offense. Uh, What should expectations be for all of the biggest players on this offense? And frankly, overall, Zach, what the offense should look like. So a lot of stuff to do today on the show, even though we got a little bit of a day off. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Of course, you can follow me at Braden Gall at F-Words Pod, BroadwaySportsMedia.com. And where should people be chiming in and getting involved in the show, Zach? They should be heading over to the YouTube channel for the 440 Sports. Get in on the YouTube. Get in on the comments. Share everything. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. Share it on MySpace. Wherever our show is brought oh. to you at, at share it. MySpace. Yeah. I I like that. Um, Also, of course, special thanks to our title sponsor that brings you this great show each and every normal Monday and Thursday. Uh, The Kingston Group, buildkg.com is the website. You can see see that logo right there up in the screen, right right up there. There it is right there above me. Uh, The Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. If you're going to make a big decision, we try to tell you this every time, don't make any big decisions about your house without talking to the experts, people that can help you usher you through the process. Uh, and shepherd you through the process, which Zach is going to do for you fantasy football players today. Oh, yeah. Uh, on the show. L- a little bit better fantasy yes. football. Yes. Capology and fantasy football. Those are your, those are two of your many areas of expertise. Uh, and again, Broadway Sports Media on the Facebook page. You got 440 Sports on the YouTube page. Wherever you're following us, we love the interaction. We do appreciate you guys supporting us. And again, check out buildkg.com. We are not in studio today. As you can tell, uh, I'm sitting in my home office as Zach is as well. Um, would you like to tell all the good folks why we are at home today? Got a uh, fan, got a freaking furniture delivery. Memorial Day weekend was this weekend, so uh, I got a uh, furniture delivery that uh, the time frame is between eight a.m. and four p.m. So oh, come you know, on with that. There we go. That's the best they could do. That's yeah. ridiculous. And they told me that uh, I was like seventeenth on the truck in delivery, but they didn't know when the truck was actually going to start because they outsourced the delivery. So it's just you know. Classic, classic furniture delivery shenanigans. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, we'll also have some SEC stuff a little bit later on. As again, I joke about the seating chart, but like it is out. We've got access to the seating chart. Jimbo Fisher is in the principal's office for sure, uh, and uh, so we'll, we'll joke about that. But also, we've got um, you know what, what exactly do we expect to come out of these meetings? I think there's some very specific things that fans can expect to come out of this week. So we'll, we'll see about that. That's a little bit later on. Uh, on the show as well. So normally we're in our cast collective studio again, cast underscore collective, of course, on the Instagram. All right, Zach, why is it that you were so set on analyzing the Titans offensive productions to like, what, what was it that got you going on this? Let's, let's start there. Well, basically um, it's, it's good content. I feel like it's a good discussion because when you really look at it, you, you have ESPN has hired Mike Clay and he goes in and does this uh, projection for all 32 teams. And he's constantly updating it based on things he's seen uh, that happens on the team. So the stuff that he sees uh, on social media, on the uh, videos, the uh, practices and stuff like that. So it's a good baseline. I wouldn't say that it's 100% accurate, but he tends to be pretty close to on the money in some of his projections uh, for both the offense, and he does do one for the defense as well. 
And I think that kind of doing an over under, uh, we used to do it on football under the F words when it was, uh, me and Mike would do it over the summer. And so this year I figured, you know, let's, let's see if Braden can, uh, hang with the big boys over here. <laughs> well, I do think it's critical though, to understand what expectations should be for an offense. I think a lot of Titans fans got in over their skis when Tannehill came in in 2019 and was so good in the, in the back, what three quarters of that season, right after the Denver game where Mariota gets benched and he was so good that I think fans were like, Oh, this is the way it's going to be now. And generally, and I'm not a, you know, an MIT expert here on like mathematics, but like generally statistical outliers trend back towards the norm at some point in general. And I don't think Titans fans, maybe I'm wrong on this. You tell me, I, I think a lot of them just expected Ryan Tannehill specifically, or even the passing offense or the offense in general to sort of maintain this like elite level that they had for a short period of time. I think they can be better than they were last year, but I think it's important to sort of set a baseline because I think a lot of Titans fans got into 2020 and were a little disappointed about the offensive production. Certainly last year, people were disappointed even more so. So does that make sense? Like, I think it's important to set a bar for where statistical expectations should be, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think the the offensive, I think in 2020, the offense exactly what, I think it hit all the right marks. I mean, you have a 2,000-yard rusher. Ryan Tannehill maintained his level of efficiency. You're, at the time, you're talking about a top 10 quarterback in Ryan Tannehill in 2020, arguably top five just because of his efficiency metrics, his stats, maybe his box score wasn't there for everybody's liking, but you're talking about still an efficient player. Interceptions were still low. Touchdowns were still high. Right. Uh, all Everything that you want from maybe not necessarily a fantasy standpoint, even though that he was a relatively good fantasy quarterback in 2020, but everything you want for, to see from your quarterback. And then 2021 happens, and I think everybody has now – gone from Ryan Tannehill's the guy to Ryan Tannehill's not the guy, but not taking into account that the offensive line stunk in 2021. There was no Derrick Henry for more than half the year. No A.J. Brown in and out of the lineup. Hula Jones in and out of the lineup. I mean, it was just, it was a, a complete and utter disaster and a mess. Um, in Aaron, du Aaron, Aaron Dugan chiming in, host of Fringe Element Podcast. Uh, definitely not an MIT guy. I, I, I appreciate that. That's so... That's so nice of you, Aaron. Uh, if you'd like to listen to her insult me more, which many people would, uh, make sure you're tuned into Fringe Element Podcast. That, that one's coming out on Thursday this week, of course, uh, with all the news coming out of Destin. Uh, what's interesting is that I think this is the important point here. T 2020, Tannehill did take a step back in almost every major category from 2019, but to your point, was still very good. So I think there's a, a, a there was a regression. And then the regression got significantly worse. And, and so I think that's what's important. And this is what's key here. Even in 2019, they were only 21st in yards per game, which to me is, is like a using an abacus to, to calculate offensive efficiency in the NFL. Like yards per game in college and pro football is not important to me. Like I don't care if the Titans were 21st in passing offense, then 23rd in 2020, and then 24th last year. Like I don't; those are basically the same. Like, like the key is how you got to those numbers, and they were first in the NFL in 2019 in yards per attempt. They were seventh in yards per attempt in 2020, and then they were 18th last year. So clearly, a, a big step back. They were second in touchdown percentage two years ago. They were fourth in touchdown percentage in 2020, 
16th in touchdown percentage last year. So you can see it's the efficiency metrics that got significantly worse last year for Tannehill. And that is, to me, what's important to look at and set the benchmark for. I don't care if he throws for 225 yards a game. I don't care. Like that would be considered enough. That's a half a football for Patrick Mahomes. But I don't care about that number. I, I want it to be yards per attempt, touchdown percentage, and protect the football. Well, the the, the number that really matters is touchdowns, right? I mean, that's that's the yard, that's the stat that really matters, both the fantasy football and in real life, because you only win games by scoring points, and the way to score points is either touchdowns or or field goals, and you want this team to score touchdowns. You know, obviously last year. He was getting sacked. He had no one to hardly throw to. Uh, I think he had like, uh, I think there was like 11 drops and two of them were AJ and a lot of them were touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. The stuff that he had to go through in 2021. And I think that in 2022, you're going to see a little bit different. And you talk about, you know, what the stats could look like. Here's Mike Clay's projection, which is 3,641 yards, 22 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, five rush touchdowns. I disagree with a lot of what you're going to say. I think there's going to be more rush touchdowns, less interceptions, more touchdowns. The yards, I just, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot with yards. You could, it could be 3,700, it could be 3,500. Right. Really matter? Probably not. No, and I think that's important because, like, again, the rushing numbers, and we'll get to Henry in a second, but the rushing numbers are basically the same, right? They are third, second, and fifth in the NFL the last three years. That's even if it's a little bit different, it's still very consistent. When you look at red zone production, they're one of the best red zone teams in the world. <laughs> like, like if you look at their, they were first, second, fifth. They've been a top five red zone offense the last three years. Third down percentage, they went from 18th to fifth to eighth last year. So even as they struggled last year, still a really good third down defense. So it's just that passing efficiency metric that is the number we're, we're kind of focused on with Ryan Tannehill. And if, if he throws for 3,600 yards, I'm fine with that. If he scores 30 total touchdowns, to your point about rushing, I'm totally fine with that. I want that 14 interceptions to be down around eight or nine. And well, if that's, and if that's the case, the then it's a great year. Too. I mean, uh, you obviously he got sacked a lot last year, and they're kind of he's kind of projecting maybe 41 sacks, which is 47 last year. But you look at this, if you look at this from a box score perspective, right? Just a general view that this, what you're seeing right here is technically probably worse than what it was last year, because you're talking about a healthy, uh, a technically a healthier offensive uh, skill players all the way around better Austin Hooper, better than anything they had last year. You, you got Robert Woods as a number two wide receiver, better than anything they had last year. And then Kyle Phillips, Nick Westbrook-Kine, a healthy Derrick Henry. And this is what you're going to, you're going to come up with 21 touchdowns last year and 14 interceptions last year. So he gains one touchdown less yards than last year. Don't really care. But five rush touchdowns compared to seven last year. Again, I just think that these are really downplaying what the Titans have done on offense this year, and you, and you see that everywhere. Football Outsiders puts out you know their little Titans hate of the week, where they say that the Titans pass catchers are a bottom three in the NFL, which is kind of ridiculous to me uh, when you really think about it, because yeah, there's like a lot that. worse than them. And I think that what you're going to see is Ryan Tannehill bounce back to probably 2020 form Ryan Tannehill, where you're going to get his touchdowns in the 30s. You're going to get his interceptions in the single digits and probably still have the rush touchdowns you're looking for, which would be 
I would say roughly probably seven again. I mean, he's had seven the last two years. So if you get all that, then you're back in, you're, you're talking about an offense that is not only viable to be an AFC contender, but also viable in fantasy football. Well, and let's, again, if they're going to be really good on red zone, because they've already established that, no matter who's calling plays, right? We already know how good they are at that. You, you can sort of count on Ryan Tannehill finishing drives. Like, I think that's something we can count on. So if you add two passing touchdowns or three from last year, and he even drops back one in the rushing category, that still puts him at 30 total for the season. So I, I think 30 is the number I'm shooting for if I'm a fan. I want to see 30 total touchdowns with fewer than 10 interceptions. And if he does that, I think it's going to be considered an excellent regular season. My question to you is, I, I don't think your expectations are unreasonable at all. The question is, does that translate to postseason success? And yes. that's the question we just we just don't know the answer to. Well, it, it will, right? I mean, we, we, we saw last year that when his interceptions are up and his offensive line is terrible, he's awful, right? So if all, both those things change throughout the regular season and in the postseason, then you're looking at something that's a little bit... I think this what this projection is not taken into account and maybe what a lot of people tend to forget. It's kind of like when Jim Schwartz joined the Titans staff last year. Kind of people would remember and then they would quickly forget. Tim Kelly's addition, I think, changes everything for this offense. Yep. And I think that these stats do not reflect Tim Kelly's influence on this offense. Yeah. And and if you want, we have an episode for you about Tim Kelly's influence on the offense. I want to say three or four episodes ago. Make sure you go check that out. You did a deep dive on. There's also a great article on Broadway Sports Media about Tim Kelly's effect on the offense as well. It's uh, more what first down passing, more eleven personnel, you know, all that kind of stuff. If you want to go deep dive, just check it out. Uh, previous episodes. Uh, Tim chimes in here on the comments. Uh, defense will be top five this year. Offense will be just outside the top ten. DH bounces back and goes for two K this year. Let's freaking go. All right, here's my question. First of all, do you want Derrick Henry to get to 2,000 yards? Like, Do you think that's a – because like, that'd be, I, I, that'd be I, fun. But I, I, don't... I don't think so. I, I think that – I mean, we did see two years ago in 2020 that Derrick Henry's 2,000-yard season actually produced a better season for Ryan Tannehill statistically, right? 33 touchdowns, Pat right. through the air, 3,800 yards, seven interceptions, seven uh, rush touchdowns. So in my mind, there's not, I, I don't think there's a need for it, but I also don't think that it's going to be possible because of how this offense is going to be constructed. You know, you look at what Mike Clay has put down, you know, 353 carries seems about right. 1,500 yards seems a little wrong to me. I mean, you're talking about 4.2 yards per carry and 11 touchdowns, I think both those are low again. And I, I think you're probably looking at like 375 in carries when it's all said and done. I, I think, Man, I think you're looking a lot of touches. <laughs> well, it's going to be a lot of touches because that's what you have Mike Vrabel here to do. You know, I mean, I'm, Mike Vrabel is going to rush to football. I think that you're looking at probably, I think, a 1,700-yard season, and I think you're going to get at least 15 rush touchdowns. I, I think that's fair. And Tim, by the way, also says he doesn't want Derrick Henry to go. So he thinks it's going to happen, but he doesn't want it to happen. I think that's really, really interesting because I don't know like where people are. And we did a, a long conversation about the decline of Derrick Henry a couple episodes ago. I, I, Zach, I don't know where people are on using him. How much do you want to use him? Do you care if you use him up in two years and let him go? Would you rather use him less and run Haskins more? And and I think Hilliard actually is going to play a really nice role for this team. I actually really like his his skill set. 
Haskins is a, and I've, I have, I can comment on this after seeing him on practice and we'll be out there tomorrow as well. Haskins does not fight the football in the air at all. He is a great hands catcher of the football. So while he may not be super fast and he may be built to go between the tackles in that outside zone scheme that they like, he is very good, very natural pass catcher, way more so than Derrick Henry. So the key is, can you find ways to trim his carries down to maybe extend his life, his the tread on his tires here in Nashville? And I don't know if I want 375 touches from Derrick Henry. I, I Maybe I want those spread out a little bit more this year. I, I would love for them to be spread out. I just don't think that's how this team is gonna gonna funnel the offense. It's just I, yeah. I I look at it this way. I look at what what is Mike Frabel? What is this team gonna want to do? And they have shown that it doesn't really matter who's back there. Now, granted, maybe Hassan Haskins is better than anything they've ever had behind Derrick Henry, right? But it's still a rookie running back yeah. who ha- can't mess up pass protection, right? Because if you mess up pass protection or if you fumble, they're going to take you out of the game and they're not going to play you. They they have to be able to rely on you. And what I look at through through the history of this Mike Vrabel football team is that I just don't think they give a shit about anything other than Derrick Henry is going to get a lot of touches and we would rather win games uh 13 to 10, then win games 50 to seven. And I ultimately, because you see how good the defense is, I think that unless Henry gets injured, I think again, you're down, Mike Clay is being playing it really safe because I, I think you're looking at potentially the guy in the NFL yet again that leads in rush yards and leads in rush touchdowns. I, I, I think if, if the Titans do not give a shit like you're talking about about his future and the next contract or whatever that whatever that means, right? And and let's be honest, they, they really shouldn't. No, and and you're probably right, they shouldn't. I do then I then I'm fine with just feed the dude the ball, man. Just just feed him 28 times the way they were doing last year. The problem is, is does, does that lead to wear and tear issues like they like again, we don't know for sure if the foot came, was because he had so many carries in the first half of the season. But but even stay, taking a step back, what was the the talking point all of last offseason? Well, we know the offense is going to take a slight step back, but if the defense can just be middle of the pack, right. they'll be great, right? Like that was the talking point. And now it's it's inverted. Now we need the offense to just be like 12th or 13th in the NFL in efficiency across the board because we know they're going to be a top 5 rushing offense. And I don't care if that is 400 touches for Derrick Henry, or 300 touches for Derrick Henry with 100 for Hilliard and Haskins. Like I don't I don't care if they get to 25 rushing touchdowns with Derrick Henry having all 18 or with Ryan Tannehill with 10. I I don't I don't care. I want them to be top 5 in rushing like they have been each of the last 3 years. And again to your point, maybe I'm too caught up in what's the future of Derrick Henry with the team and do, do I want to see him play here for two more years after the two years on his contract like I kind of do, but I probably shouldn't think like that, right? Yeah, like, I, I think you just got to look at it in a vacuum every season in a vacuum because you don't know what this team technically is going to yeah. do. Hell, they could trade Derrick Henry at any point during this offseason or in this, not this offseason, but it, during the season. You know what I'm saying? They 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 could end up trading them if they think they really like Hassan Haskins. Do I think that's a stretch? I think it's a, a, a definite stretch, but we have seen this team put players out there or do things to make, try to make the team better. And yeah. technically 
I think having Henry on the field makes the team better than not having Henry on the field. <laughs> Earth, Earth shattering. The Titans perhaps are better when Derrick Henry's on the field than when he is not. And I think that Derrick This Henry's is why you gonna, come to this show. Yeah, I think that Derrick Henry is also going to prove that last year was a was a fluke and he's going to be a set as play all, all the games that he's made available for. I would here and I I'll save this for fantasy because I have a very clear strategy around Derrick Henry if I'm a fantasy player. So we'll save that to when we get to the fantasy side. Um good segue here from Stoney. Should the Titans add another weapon a, a receiver? Or is the group as it stands now conducive enough to bounce back season on offense? This is from Stoney. Uh, congratulations on the, the nuptials, by the way, Stoney. Um, I've been tra- tracking your, your, your weekend of boozing. <laughs> it's been great to watch on the Twitters. I know he's with you coming up on the, yeah, on the F-Words he'll pod. He'll be this on week. this week. So there you go. Uh, shout out. But this leads us right into the question about expectations for the wide receivers. Um, Traylon Burks, first-round draft pick. You asked me this the night of the draft. What would be reasonable? What is your expectation for Traylon Burks in year, year one? Well, I mean, he's he's fat, so you know these projections are obviously not gonna not gonna work out because he is taking breaks. I, what I've heard is that at OTAs he's taking breaks to go in and eat a uh, a firehouse sub for and uh, then come back and try to uh, play on a stomach when you're supposed to wait 30 minutes. By it's the, way. the animal. It's the animal burger from ML Rose or the Jasper smash burger. One of those. Gotcha. There you go. I mean, it's just, it, I mean, he's fat out of shape. So I think all Did these anybody, hang on. are way too high. Did anybody watch an Arkansas football game? It doesn't like, seem like it, but it, again, it's he is a big overblown. Boy. He's a Apparently, big he played at 244 pounds while at Arkansas, which you would never expect that he'd even affect because he never affected his game. So at this point, I, I don't know if I can emotionally invest in caring about the Kelvin Benjamin 2.0 narrative oh that is God. out there. I mean, he's basically what, you, what you're hearing is, is that uh, he's Vincent Wolfort in a wide receiver. I mean, he's just <laughs> fat. He's out of shape. He can't run. I, he's terrible. I'm, but I, but I, in I all... Yeah, I hate this. I hate this so much. Uh, also, I covered Kelvin Benjamin coming out of high school. There was a knock on his work ethic all throughout his entire college career at Florida State and coming out in the draft. That has never been the problem with Traylon Burks. It's just it's never been a thing. If you watched a game, he's a big boy. He plays big and he plays faster than his size. Just let let the man be. It's freaking right. May. It's freaking May. Okay. I also think that these projections are pretty realistic. I would love to yeah. see a thousand yards, but you're talking about. Essentially, if you were to put this in fantasy terms, that would be a better fantasy season than what AJ Brown had last year. Yeah, AJ Brown's never had more than seventy catches in a year. Yeah, I, I think you asked me on the Monday after the draft. You said, "What's reasonable for Traylon Burks?" And I said, "55 catches, 800 yards, five touchdowns." If he goes over 55, over 800, and, and over five touchdowns, I think that will be a very productive first season as a professional with a clear expectation to grow the next year. Right. And I think that and I think that's what you want. And I think his I think if he hits these projections that we've got up there right now, I think that's a hell of a first season for a rookie wide receiver. I, I in, also, in a run in a run first offense. Right. And you know, they'll they'll probably put him at um uh, when they do heavy formations on the other side of probably left tackle and let him be like Aaron Brewer going out for a touchdown because he's fat. He's a he's a fat man. I do love a good fat guy touchdown. Yeah, I love a fat guy touchdown. Um, all right, Robert Woods, who's I guess could be considered the number one in some situations, the number two in others. It's good to sort of have a 
2A and 2B or a 1A and 1B like they've got. Robert Woods is a, a consummate professional, as we like to say on the show about all these players that get drafted like that. Um, what are your expectations for Robert Woods? Do you like 62 receptions, 752 yards, four touchdowns? Do you think that's a little low? you think that's taking into account the ACL? What do you got? I, I think that the yards per reception is about right. You're talking about 12 yards per reception. So I think the touchdowns is what is going to drive drive me to want to buy some Robert Woods shares because I think he'll probably be in the six or seven touchdown range, which is going to make him worth owning compared to what his ADP will be, which we'll discuss we'll in a minute. Um, but I also think the yards is going to come up. I, I think what you're looking at is a Corey Davis, AJ Brown, where they're all, where they're one is barely over a thousand and one is just under a thousand. And I, I think that you can get that from either or. They may both be under a thousand, but I think him and Traylon Burks are going to have similar stat lines throughout the whole year. When it's all said and done, I think that they'll be a lot closer together in when you're looking at these box score stats. If they combine for 150 catches, 140 catches for 1,800 yards. And double-digit touchdowns. I I would consider that a successful season from those two players. I mean, for all intents and purposes, what you see about from Robert Woods already in May, I, I think that people are projecting that yep. he's going to be a little bit slower on the uptick, like Julio Jones was, like Taylor Lewan was, like Bud Dupree was. I don't think that's going to be the case. I am fully bought in and sold barring another injury or an aggravation of like a hamstring or something. Uh, Robert Woods is going to be day one, week one impact player straight from the get go. Everyone just starts immediately having migraines. When you start talking about hamstring soft tissue issues with uh, Titans wide receivers here, I think is the most important thing to understand about Robert Woods. He is a significantly better football player than he is a fantasy football player. Yeah. That is like, there is so much more to the position than your fantasy stats. I think people know that, but I think it is worth reiterating that Robert Woods has so much value to this team that goes way above and beyond his fantasy production. Just, just want to throw that out there. All right. And, and these fantasy productions do hinge going back to Stoney Keeley's uh, question. Do the Titans June 1st is right around the corner, right? So that means that they're going to get a big influx of cash from the Julio Jones cut. That's tomorrow. If, if they get Will Fuller, <laughs> I don't know if these projections really change because I think that's going to affect what you would see from Nick Westbrook-Akine, what you see from Austin Hooper, and what you see from Kyle Phillips more than it's going to affect these two guys. Because these two guys, um, barring, you know, Traylon Burks, obviously Traylon Burks has to go on Jenny Craig before he's considered a starting (laughs) wide receiver. But... I think that no, the way the down. End, no, it needs to be the way down. You know, we've got the, the rem, we've got the remnant fellowship down in Brentwood. Like, let's have let's have him go down with Gwen Shamblin, R.I.P. Gwen, there and have go. him go down there and and lose some weight there. Because yeah, that's what the, that's what the Lord wants. The Lord yeah. wants him to play at two twenty five. <laughs> Need to get him down, but two forty five. This is the projection I have the most problem with. Is this right here? is not enough. And he's also underappreciated in the fantasy world right now. Austin Hooper is a value in the fantasy world, but he's going to get more touchdowns. He is a red zone target. I mean, he is going to get so many more touchdowns than four touchdowns. And I think he's going to be around six or 700 yards. I, I think I, 
<clears throat> now we're gonna have a, we're gonna have words in a minute about what's the proper format of a fantasy league because I think you should have a tight end even though the NFL is the NFL doesn't care about tight ends and we shouldn't either I I like tight you know I love a good tight end Zach okay I love a good tight end and I like the fact that you can like there's two strategies right there's a strategy to go early on a big name guy that's gonna deliver over the top statistics for that position in fantasy. And then there's sort of like, just wait until the end and draft two of them and see which one you can kind of like stream in and out of the lineup. If you have a mandatory tight end uh, position here. Um, So I I think, I think that's interesting. I think he is absolutely one of those guys I would be targeting later. If I waited on tight ends, because I agree with you, if you get to, I mean, if you're, that's about what, like three, four catches a game, 30, 40 yards a game and a touchdown every three games. I think that's, that's serviceable fantasy production. If you're not going to take a tight end in the first five rounds or whatever, like, and, and use up lots of draft capital to draft one of those guys. So I like him. I'm, I'm with you. I like the over, especially in the red zone. I, I would go eight touchdowns. Yeah. I, I just am so shocked that, that this is the stat line for this, because you're basically saying that's not much of an upgrade over Jeff Sway. Which, when all in all honesty, Austin Hooper is the best of every tight end that played last year. Ferkser, not even close. I mean, they're, they're all yeah. he's the best out of all of them. And this is a stat line that is very pedestrian. I think that he is going to be heavily involved in, in this offense, especially in the red zone. And I, I think that he's going to surpass not only all of this, but I think he's going to surpass his fantasy value. Here, here. So let's let's go into the fantasy value here because I think what could be interesting. And it would hurt their fantasy value. The fact that Nick, because you are all on Nick Westbrook, Akine needs more love, right? That's the train you're on, right? right? Like we got to give NWI some more love. Wide receiver one. We got to give him some love. Austin Hoop. I I think Chigakonku is the same way. I I think the better NWI and Chigakonku are that the worse that they make everyone else's fantasy numbers. But I think it makes your offense better if those are productive pieces. So when we start talking about fantasy, (laughs) if you're in a dynasty league, it's worth drafting. Traylon Burke's pretty early, but otherwise there's one dude on this team to own. And that's about it. Really? I, I could, I could make some arguments for based on value, like specifically Ryan Tannehill right here. He's right now going into the 12th round as quarterback 22 quarter. And he was still quarterback 12 in 2021 in 2020 he's quarterback seven. That is tremendous value. And if you are in a one quarterback league, you should be waiting to draft a quarterback anyway. And if you're talking about getting Ryan Tannehill in the 12th round versus getting, um, I, 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 I would say maybe Lamar Jackson in the third or fourth, because that's how high some of these guys are going. I think the be- I think in all honesty, unless you're in a Tennessee Titans driven fan league where <laughs> the majority are Titans fans, you could probably get Ryan Tannehill in the 14th. I-, I think that that's how low the fantasy community will be on Ryan Tannehill, his pass catchers, based on and the general fan who remembers 2021, even though he finished quarterback 12. Yeah, I think that's probably very uh, undervalued that he was quarterback 12 in even in a statistically bad year for the offense that he still was a top 15 starting quarterback. I, I think you're right that there's tremendous value there. And I play in a two quarterback system where we have 10 teams and like keepers and the quarterbacks fly up boards. Like you have to draft quarterbacks like first, second, third round. You're drafting at least one quarterback. Yeah, when, you, when your league is constructed like that, you, you have to take quarterbacks yes. fairly early. And uh, that, that's why, that's why the NFL only starts one quarterback. <laughs> Didn't know if you were aware of that or not. Well, if you if 
if you have uh, anything, twelve teams in twelve teams or more, you you can't play two quarterbacks, right? But if you are under twelve teams, then I think to make it more difficult, you need to start a second quarterback. Is that a, like if you have a ten team league, to make it more difficult, I think you need the second guy because that's I don't know. Like, am I wrong on this? Like, I, I think you have to. I love having two starting. Quarterbacks. I, I just don't. I try to stay away from ten team leagues. I, mean, I would give me 12. 12 is traditional. 12 is I good. I would agree. It's number. I would if agree. You, you don't have two more friends to get you into your league. That says a lot more about the 10 of you than it does anything else. All right. You are invited to our expert keeper league where you have to have six IDPs. You have oh. mandatory tight end and two oh. starting quarterbacks. And you oh. know how hard that league is to win? Perhaps it's fairly expert. easy. It's all expert. Well, then come on in, big boy. Let's see what you got. <laughs> come on in. We'll see what uh, you can have. That sounds like a horribly constructed team that would drive me nuts. I would hate that. Well, I, I had AJ. Br- I, what's uh, what's the point of that? Just I, well, because because de- the defensive players are fun too. Like they matter. No, they don't. They matter. It's like saying kickers matter. Get get rid of kickers. Get rid of team defense. I'm all I'm all for just eliminating those. Fantasy football is about scoring points and having fun, not about the doldrums of picking defensive players. So when Jayon Brown, hang on, Jayon Brown, I think won me a championship against the Colts two years ago. I, I want to say, remember when he had that game against the Colts where he had the interception, yeah. the sack, the return for a touchdown, the whole deal, and I scored like twenty five points with Jayon Brown, and I think I won because I was like week sixteen or seventeen, and I win a championship because Jayon Brown carried me to victory. I just don't think you should poo poo the defensive players as much as you are. Yeah, um, I'm just not interested in that. That's a boring story. We are going to move to Derrick Henry, who's being drafted as running back two in the first round. And he was running back. He still was a RB2 in fantasy football, and he was only out half the year. I, I think that in PPR leagues, half-point PPR leagues or full-point PPR leagues, I think that you're looking, even though he's RB2 right here, I, I still think that probably RB5 is the way to go. I'm not drafting Christian McCaffrey over Derrick Henry. I will say that for Right now, no. on record, I am out on drafting Christian McCaffrey in the first round. I, I think it's ridiculous to trust your fantasy football season in the first round, that first round draft pick for a guy that can't stay healthy now two or three years in a row. I, I mean, I have come around, like I was the guy for 25 years of playing fantasy football. I went running back, running back. Like that's how I like, that's how I built my roster almost every time. You got to get a starting running back. You probably need a really good second running back. You're probably going to take a third and a fourth one in the first six or seven rounds. And now when I see a first round pick and the risk of injury for every single one of these guys, including Derrick Henry, it's give me Devontae Adams. You know, give me somebody that I know is going to give me 17 weeks, basically 16, 16, 17 games of wide receiver one type production. Um, But I do like Derrick. I I would take Derrick Henry in the first round. Like I'm with you. I would not take Christian McCaffrey over him. I feel comfortable because there's not any more RB ones that are like true. Guys Jonathan that you're Taylor get. is probably the closest guy, right? And, and they're already hyping up Naheem Hines again, which they kind of got away from Naheem Hines last mm-hmm. year. But two years ago, they used Naheem Hines when they had a quarterback like Phillip Rivers. They used Naheem Hines a ton, and it hurt Jonathan Taylor's fantasy value. And Jonathan Taylor only got had good games in his rookie year against shitty-ass defenses. Now... I think they're going to start going back because they got Matt Ryan and they need to give Matt Ryan. They're going to run via the swing and and, yeah, yeah. and all that, the swing pass and screen See, what, pass. What about Najee Harris? 
I love Najee Harris. I'm all in mm -hmm. on Najee Harris. Yep. If he, I, I I'm kind of with you. I, I want to go wide receiver running back. And if I were to find, hopefully have a running back in like Najee Harris in round two, I'd be all over it. I don't think he'll last a round two, but no, I don't think so. maybe last year's disappointing rookie season, he, people will kind of like kind of forget about him. Didn't he catch like 75 passes? He caught a lot of passes, which I knew he's always going to catch a lot of passes. I was really big on Najee Harris last yeah, year. Oh, yeah. I was too. I, and I don't think I got him in any of my fantasy leagues. And I, was I, I In my stupid league with IDPs and two quarterbacks, um, which, by the way, half point for reception is the right number. And we'll get, we get that. We, 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 we agree with that, that the half point is the right number. Um, but I, I love Najee Harris a lot. Who is there anybody else that you, who else would you take before or ahead of? or after Derrick Henry? Like who's where, where is Derrick Henry on your big board of, of just running backs? I, I would think that Derrick Henry for me is probably running back too. If I, if I had to really deep dive into it, I had to admit that Jonathan Taylor. I, yeah. I think I would have to admit that Jonathan Taylor is going to be number one. Derrick Henry two. Yeah. Najee Harris three McCaffrey three. Who you got at three? Who am Ooh. I missing? I, I think Aaron Jones is a sneaky number three and a sneaky guy to put into your rotation because there's no Devontae Adams. And I think that when you get a lot of receptions like you do, I think that Aaron Jones could be up there. I'm not too sure on where I ranked it. Dalvin Cook in all of this too because he's another uh, yeah. running back And when it's all said and done. I'd be that, worried about A.J. Dillon vulturing more carries than than because A.J. Aaron Jones continues to get hurt. And he continues to get like these little nicks and bruises, and he's not a particularly large man, um, but he plays really hard. I, I, I'd go, I'd go Najee Harris over Aaron Jones. I would think Eckler and Mixon are in that that next tier uh, from Derrick Henry too, because uh, I think Ex Eckler and Mixon are both going to be able to get you yeah. top ten performances at the end of the year. Yeah, uh, Kenneth uh, chimes in on YouTube. Najee getting some local heat too, saying he looks like Eddie Lacy 2.0. That's just that's just mean spirited. Um, so it's not just Traylon Burks catching heat, which is of course a perfect segue into Traylon Burks. Uh, I love drafted rookies. I like drafting rookies at all positions. I like especially in the in our keeper league where we get to keep guys. They always go up. I've got Jalen Waddle on my team from last year. I drafted him. I'm going to keep him. I, I love drafting rookies. So I actually love drafting Traylon Burks. I think you need to assume that he is a wide receiver three best case scenario, maybe a flex guy. I think that's where I would put him. Yeah. If you're looking at wide receiver th 33 and he's in the seventh round, I feel like those numbers don't jive, but the, t the, the fantasy football is starting to mirror what the league is moving to. And the league is moving to more three wide receiver sets. So I'm, I don't, I don't think I would personally draft Traylon Burks in the seventh round. I think I would draft actually Robert Woods ahead of Traylon Burks, but I I I don't discourage anybody for taking that chance on Traylon Burks because he is the future, especially if you're in a dynasty league, especially if you're in a keeper league. That could prove to be the 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 way to go. You know, in 2019, I don't even think AJ Brown draft position was was even that high. I think that's even a higher ADP than what AJ Brown had coming into his rookie year. So I, I think that's it, – it's something about it. I'm just like, I'm selling. I'm selling on that. I, I think it depends on how the board unfolds and if you're in a league with a bunch of Titans homers. Right. If you, if you are not – like my league is not a bunch of Titans fans. It's a bunch of like industry people, and I think they're going to have him pegged like you do, which is down a round or two probably, right? 
Right. I would probably then move him up around because I like the risk of rookies. I like taking the risk in a keeper league on rookies. So I'll be all over Traylon Burks. If I want the production right now, this year, out of a fourth wide receiver, then I probably am with you. I'd probably go with Robert Woods because I think Woods is a safer play on a week-in, week-out, catch-a-couple-touchdowns, upside kind of play where if I'm looking for four catches for 60 yards and a touchdown, right, out of your fourth receiver – I think Robert Woods is more likely to do that consistently where Burks is going to be more up and down. That, yeah. that would be my guess. I'm, I'm looking, I'd like to look for Julian Edelman type players that may get like 50 yards and a touchdown, right? Because ultimately if he does that every week or he, and then some weeks where he doesn't get touchdowns, he's getting a lot of yards or he's getting a lot of receptions that equals out throughout. You want the consistency. And to me, Robert Woods around later is better consistency and better value than Traylon Burks around earlier, where you do go through the up and downs of a rookie wide receiver season because he's not Jamar chase, right? He's not right. Justin Jefferson. And those guys in my league of record were both drafted roughly around the eighth or ninth round. And I think that that is the appropriate response for Robert Woods. Yeah. I mean, five catches for 60 yards is basically 75 receptions for a thousand yards, right? Like that's AJ Brown's, average year yeah in, in tennessee so I, if, if robert woods accomplishes that i think that's great but i there'll be some bad games for him and but I, like i i think i see the consistency more with him being more valuable whereas in a keeper league i like the risk reward factor for Traylon burks and we've already touched on austin hooper a little bit as a tight end i think he's going to be really good value in most fantasy leagues especially if you if you wait on tight ends altogether and you don't want to take one i think he's going to give you good value yeah, there's there's no reason that if you're in a tight end mandatory league because you're still in the Stone Age, that you get that you don't take Austin Hooper if he's sitting there in the 16th round. Ultimately, I typically go kicker defense, 15th to 16th round, but uh, the last two rounds of the draft. But even at the 14th round with with Austin Hooper, he will finish higher than tight end 25. He will finish as tight end 12 or higher because that's just what the Tennessee Titans will do. He'll get touchdowns. And tight ends are so volatile from week year to year that unless you get one of the top three or four, you're not going to know who's going to be on the top 12 this year. And I think he will be, though. So, so my league is boring because we have six IDPs, two quarterbacks, a mandatory tight end and four keepers. Yeah. And it's, 10 teams. It's just 25, 25 rounds in our draft oh. keepers. And you think that's boring. I think your league is basic, dude. Like basic. Like you're gonna, you don't, you can, oh, it's too hard to find tight ends. Only one, any, my, my dog could play in a one quarterback league. Like a one quarterback league, that's too easy. That's too simple. Yeah, but I'm also in a 12 team league. I'm in a 12 team league with actual, we trade draft picks, we have keepers based on value, and all that stuff goes up. And we also um, have, what's your, uh, what's your keeper? What's your keeper protocol? Basically, where you draft them the first year, you get it, and then it goes divide that by half the next year. Oh. So, for for example, um, it, I had Antonio Gibson. I drafted Antonio Gibson, and then he was a – I think I drafted him in the 12th or the 14th, and then I kept him in the 12th or 14th last year. And if I kept him again this year, he'd be in, like, the sixth round. Interesting. Okay, see, that's different. We Can you only keep him twice? Or one uh, no, you can keep them as many times as you want, uh, but right. ultimately it will be a first round pick and you have right. to have yeah. a pick 
in the round. You can't trade away yep. that pick, so you have to have the pick in that round. See, it took us a long time, but we found some agreement, which is you, you <clears throat> excuse me, you keep a player where you draft them, yep. but you have to have a draft pick to keep that player. We can only keep players twice, and then you have to put them back in the pot. So yeah. you can you can you can draft Alvin Kamara in the twenty fourth round and keep him twice, but then he's got to go back back into the pot. Yeah, uh, I have a league that you you goes up every year one round and then when you get into the first round they become a first round keeper you have to let him go so any okay. anybody you drafted in the first round last year goes back okay. into the first round it sounds like what we need to settle this is a football show fantasy football league that's a hybrid mix of the two your philosophy and my philosophy and we'll see what people like and Stoney's see, invited Stoney's invited probably yeah. sports media folks are invited 440s folks are invited the listeners are invited and to touch on this if you're not doing 0.5 PPR, if first off you're in a standard league, you better have some kind of different scoring, right? Uh, we do league meetings for my league, my league record, and it got to the point where I have fought and argued for PPR. I fought and argued for 0.5 PPR about four or five seasons. I just kind of gave up. And then suddenly the influx of the first down Given points for first downs came in, oh. which is essentially I don't like PPR, that. by the way. <laughs> I know. But it, it's great. So we we did it one year, and it was a uh, 0.5 for uh, quarterbacks, 0.5 for wide receivers, and one for running backs. And now we've shifted that to 0.25 for quarterbacks because they, they kind of got the quarterback, you know, scoring Come a little for bit a completion. Yeah, oh, now for completion God. for first down. Oh, for first, first down. down. Okay. So so you only count. Half a point for PPR for first downs. We we don't have PPR at all. It's it's just first down points. So oh. point five for first down for a wide receiver because they get it from the quarterback, right? So okay, all the right. wide receiver has to do a lot of the work. So point two five for passing. Wow. So. Uh, we so we do half a point per reception for all players. So if you catch twelve passes, you get six points. I prefer that. <clears throat> I that's, prefer that. <clears throat> that's what we do. The other one that I hate that I think is ridiculous. The 100 yard bonus and the 300 yard yeah, bonus. I haven't done that since the early 2000s. That's the dumbest. Like, I, I ran for 98 yards and you ran for 102, but you're going to score way more points than me. Like, that's yeah. the stupidest thing ever. So, I, I half a point for PPR, no yardage bonuses. That's that's where we're at. I didn't um, even know there were still leagues that do yardage bonuses anymore. And respect defensive players. Okay. Respect no. them. No. They impact the game. And this Titans team loaded with good IDPs. Okay. Yeah, I'm, out. I'm out on them. I don't need to be researching ADPs and on IDPs and all that kind of stuff. I'm in too many leagues to worry about <laughs> the, the shitty stuff that doesn't really matter. In oh, come on. You don't. Yeah. Je that's all I heard Zach say there, folks. You Titans fans is that Jeffrey Simmons doesn't matter to the game. He does, does not matter not, to the game of fantasy football. Doesn't he does matter not to the matter. game. Well, do you want fantasy football to look like real football or do you want it to be a joker thing that like all of our moms rosters should be made Respect up moms. for the rosters for the offense of your fantasy football team should be as closely uh, as close to the roster of an actual NFL team because that's how so defense so defense. No, I said the offense. You got to listen to what I'm saying. Oh, You're excluding words offense, the offensive roster. Because the offense is what drives fantasy football, not defense. So no offensive line, no pancake blocks, no like no, holding no. call. I would never, never yeah. draft offensive linemen. In I would never be in a league where you have to drop. Uh, Even though line. they're way more important than all the other players you draft on your offense. No, don't need a. No. Okay, don't right. don't don't care about them. IDPs are for real fantasy football players. All right, let's get to the SEC. <laughs> the meetings are coming up. 
All of the coaches will be there. We got a seating chart. Jimbo Fisher is sitting, apparently, now if this is true, he is sitting with no other coaches <laughs> at the meetings today and tomorrow. Greg Sankey's going to have availability on Wednesday evening. Um, some of the things that you can expect, they're going to talk a ton, Zach, about name, image, and likeness. People's eyes roll back in their heads now when you talk about it. Here's all you need to know. They're going to talk a lot, and they're not going to have any answers for name, image, and likeness. I, I, I think they're going to come out of this week saying, man, we spent a lot of time on this thing and didn't figure a damn thing out. <laughs> I think is what they're going to say when it comes to NIL. I do think they're going to have some really serious conversations about scheduling, about divisions, and about how they're going to lay out the conference uh, moving forward with Texas and Oklahoma set to join in a few years. I think we actually could get a couple of announcements this week on where they're thinking and where their heads are at uh, as far as this. From what I understand and who I've talked to, uh, the scheduling model is the most important thing that they are going to talk about this, this weekend. And you cannot bring Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC and keep divisions the way they are. They're going to have to do away with divisions. The three and six model is my personal favorite. You can also do a, a one and seven, but I do not see how you can put eight teams in one division, eight teams in another division, play eight conference games and never play the other division for 12 years or 14 years. I don't see how you do that. Yeah. I, I, Ross Dillinger put out something at side.com and he has what he thought would be every team's permanent three sec opponents that rotated through the other six in your, in your nine game model, which I is my preferred method too. I, I think that's, it's the best method. I think it's kind of crazy that they're split directly down the middle among the sec teams about where they land on the, the, the nine game versus the eight game. I'm looking at it right here. Alabama is Auburn, Tennessee, LSU, Tennessee, is why don't you Vanderbilt, just uh, he Alabama. stole all this from me by the way he stole all this from me oh he did <laughs> he did you wrote this article no i put out the top i put out the three permanent opponents for everybody about a week and a half ago gotcha uh, and it did not have lsu and alabama on there but the but like it is this is the way we're going and, yeah and it's, and gonna, this it's is the way it possible, should it's gonna be impossible to read all of them so go go check out the no Twitter i was account. just yeah i was just cha- gonna say those two because I'm looking at it from a perspective of why Tennessee for Alabama, I get Auburn, I get LSU, but I feel like a different team that's coming in, maybe Texas or Oklahoma or even Georgia, Oklahoma would be better would be my... suited for Alabama. I think for, to build a, a new rivalry. So Oklahoma would be my vote with Alabama. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you're right to ask about Tennessee Bama. So here, here's what I would, here's what I would say is the goal here. You want balance. You, you want to protect some really important rivalries, right? Like the Egg Bowl, like the Iron Bowl, like the Cocktail Party. There are certain things you want to protect. And then you basically want the, the SEC, from what I've been told, they want to play everybody as often as possible. This is why they're doing this. And so they don't care as much about who gets into their championship game, one and two, because they have great teams in that championship game all the time. But every other conference is worried about that. They want to put their best teams into that game so that it drives ratings. Here's all you really need to know about the eight or nine game thing. The coaches have no say. And what what makes more money? Nine games to your season ticket holders, nine games to your TV partners, or eight? Right. You know, I'm kind of looking at this too, you know, with the Tennessee, get rid of Alabama and put in Florida for that. Why why wouldn't you have Florida and Tennessee? I, I Vanderbilt and South Carolina makes sense geographically. And it kind of makes sense in trying to build maybe some new rivalries. And I think that Vanderbilt and Tennessee 
you know, they they kind of play each other pretty close typically over the last few years. They're a lot closer than what people think. But I yeah. think that you would have have to have Florida and Tennessee in there. Yes, F- Florida, Tennessee would be protected well before Alabama and Tennessee would be. Right. But but this goes to your question. If you are over the age of 40, you probably view Alabama as the primary rival for Tennessee. If you are under the age of 40, which I still am, then you are you probably view Florida as the primary rival. I don't think Alabama fans consider UT a rivalry. I, I and I think that court. matters for when it comes into rivalry is what are, are you really viewed as that? Because, you know, Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens, are they the rivalry or is it the Ravens and the Steelers? Like nobody yeah. really is a rival with Cleveland. I feel like not even the Bengals. I think they were at a certain point yeah. just because they were both shitty. But now the Bengals are coming in and joining the big boys. I, I would say... Here's what I think is going to happen with this. I think the SEC will protect Tennessee, Alabama, but I don't think they should. Yeah, that that's what I that's what my my prognostication would be. I do not think LSU, Alabama needs to be protected. Again, keep in mind with this model, you're going to play every other team twice every four years. Right. So you're still going to play all 15 teams in the league two times every four seasons. So you're playing everybody all the time. So it's not. I'm okay with a little imbalance. Right. It, like I'm OK with Kentucky and Vanderbilt and Ole Miss, the quote unquote low, lower tier teams. I'm OK with them having easier permanent opponents to some degree because they're not sort of like the national championship programs and the rest of the schedule is going to balance itself out. So I, I think the I, if I was Tennessee, what I when I did this exercise, I, I projected Florida, Tennessee, Alabama, Tennessee and Vanderbilt, Tennessee. Th- those would be the three. And I, but I could easily take Alabama away and put in Kentucky take out Alabama and put in South Carolina, take out Alabama, put in Georgia. Like you, the beauty of this model is that you get to, you get to create a lot of new rivalries on top of protecting the old ones and finding that balance is the key. So I think it's going to look great, dude. I can't wait. I think divisions are so stupid. (laughs) I I think it's going to be tremendous to have this, hopefully the nine game schedule, nine game schedule, no divisions, three and six play everybody every four years, twice. And here's the only, the only drawback is you could have some weird tiebreakers. You know, if you've got a two, three, and four that are all tied with the same record, but only two of them played each other, how do you figure out the tiebreaker? So there's going to have to be some really clear and and hopefully thoughtful tiebreakers. Isn't that, also there's an issue with the home games, right? You, you have, you alternate having less home games every other so, year. let me ask you this and maybe you're the wrong guy to ask about this i don't know like florida georgia if you protect that one you already are guaranteeing a neutral site game and four and four right four home four road for florida and georgia technically right now arkansas and a&m play almost every year in arlington and jerry world so that would be an easy four and four for those two are you would you be okay with a neutral site game for everybody or is that too much corporate corporate sponsorship and or, or do you like, would you rather have the imbalance or a neutral site game? I guess is my question. I, I think, I think it depends on which game you're protecting and doing that with. I, I think that it, the Iron Bowl just doesn't make sense not to have one in Alabama next year in Auburn, one in Even Alabama they, next year in Auburn. They did play in Birmingham for a lot of years. Yeah. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not with that. I, I want the, I, I want the home field advantage. I want the, the, the college atmosphere that i think you get at these bigger games so like but if it's alabama tennessee and they played in nashville that'd be great i'd be fine neutral alabama tennessee neutral 
Okay. I, I think record. I think presidents and local economies, which are the ones making this decision, the presidents and the ADs, not the coaches, by the way, I think they're going to go towards the extra home game every other year because that generates revenue for your community and for your business. Whereas neutral, you're sort of losing that ability. And to your point, I agree, you're losing all the charm. Right. Like, what's the point of having the Grove if you're going to play a game in, you know, Memphis? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, like uh, so I'm with you on that. I do think that's tricky. But over time, that evens out, right? Like, I mean, Florida and Georgia do it right now. Yeah. They, F- Florida and Georgia have three home games and four road games. They alternate that every year. And Georgia Nobody just really national- cares, right? Nobody I mean, even like, knows. Nobody ever, <laughs> yeah. Nobody ever brings it up. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't come up. So other leagues have figured it out. Um, I think also this is going to happen everywhere. I think divisions are going to go away in every conference. Um, and it's more important for them because they need to put better teams into the playoff. The right. SEC doesn't have that problem. They're not worried about that. Um, so, you know, just imagine nine conference games in a single 16 team division. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. I'm all in. It's going to be great. And remember, all of this is about playoff expansion, conference expansion, new TV contract. It's all tied together. To, they're going to try to have it all happen at the same time. So, 2024 probably where they're going to negotiate for Texas and Oklahoma to come. Then the playoffs are going to expand the same year and the new scheduling will probably kick in the same year. So it's probably all going to happen, but it's probably not all going to happen for a couple of years. So right. there you go. Otherwise let's just hope Jimbo and Nick get into some. We need it. I need it. I want, I need it. I want Lane. I want Lane Kiffin tweeting all the time. Live I'm tweeting. already mad that, and the seating chart that Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban are not directly across the table from each other. Okay, if this is true, if this is if this is real, um, they've got this is literally what they've got in a row. They've got Greg Sankey and David Cutcliffe. David Cutcliffe now works in the front office of the SEC with Jimbo Fisher, William King, Mark Womack, John McDavid, and Herb Vincent. It is all front office people and Jimbo Fisher on one side of the table, and then all the coaches are around the other side. Why Jimbo Fisher was isolated with all the bosses, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's oh, interesting. So funny. It's so funny. Uh, Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin sitting right next to each other. That's great. I like that. Uh, Billy Napier and Kirby Smart right next to each other. Florida and Georgia. That could be interesting. Two former Saban assistants sitting next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. Going to be a lot of fun. Um, special thanks to the Kingston Group. Special thanks to Broadway Sports Media. Special thanks to Football and Other Efforts Podcast. You can hear that, of course. Coming out on Wednesday this week with Stoney Keeley. Uh, shout out to Stoney. Congratulations on the wedding, my man. Uh, listen to all the other great shows across the 440 Sports Network. And uh, we'll be back in studio. I know we've said this a million times, but eventually we will actually be back in studio on Thursday is the uh, hopeful moment in time that that takes place. IDPs are people too. We appreciate you guys. Rate, review, subscribe. Click all the buttons. Check out the YouTube page. Listen to all the pods. We love you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. For Zach, I'm Braden. This has been a football show. Oh, 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 oh,